0: Hi everyone! Welcome to the Paddle Pod, your weekly podcast covering professional paddle, presented by Hugo and Gons. We're now in episode seven, I believe, which is quite amazing, don't you think, Hugo?
1: We are indeed. Hi everyone! Episode seven. Wow! Yeah, very excited for another episode. I've got to be honest. I'm a bit sad because we don't have a tournament this week, <laughs> for the first week in a in a very long time, but. Well, yeah, just very excited to be here once again.
0: Yeah, I think we're both sad, but potentially the players might be happy they get some rest.
1: (laughs) For sure. I think they're all going to be very, very happy. I think this year's calendar has been, well, this year's schedule has been very unreasonable and really unfair on the players. And I think, well, we'll get into the details of it a bit later, but just so many injuries and maybe not super serious injuries but just players really straining muscles and pushing themselves to the limit and i think long term this could be well detrimental to the sport and to the world battle tour
0: for sure i mean let's see how the players arrive at the end of the year hopefully as you say no significant ter- injuries occur um well, well we'll talk about it more more in depth later on in the episode because i know it's something that we both wanted to to discuss but uh, maybe we, before we, we go into that, we can start discussing Marbella, which was the second master of, of the year. The first one was, well, the first tournament of, of the season, which I think was Abu Dhabi, if I'm not mistaken, which was also a Indeed. master. Maybe, I don't know, Hugo, if you want to like quickly just explain to the listeners what a master is versus, you know, your typical Open 1000 tournaments that we've seen as of late. Just so, I guess, of we always, you know, get a, or, or our listeners, you know, get a, mo- a deeper understanding of the different tournaments.
1: Of course. So if I'm not mistaken, there's five Masters tournaments throughout the year. We've already had two in Abu Dhabi and Marbella last week. And then we've got three left, which I'm pretty sure are Madrid, Buenos Aires, and it could potentially be another one in the Middle East. If I'm not mistaken, we also do have a master's final, but that's slightly different. It's the last tournament of the season and it's only the top eight ranked pairs. And while well, the top scene, top 16 ranked players actually that make it to that, and that's the tournament that counts for the most points, but basically the master's tournaments, the five tournaments that we just discussed count for double the points compared to open 1000 tournaments. And well, I assume four times the points compared to open 500 tournaments, but those aren't played by the top eight pairs and the biggest players, as as we very well know. And well, to be honest, the first thing I wanted to mention is I thought the play was significantly different to other tournaments due to the fact that it was outdoors. And for example, the pundits, the commentators were saying how there was one side of the court that was facing the sun for the big majority of the day. So every two games, players had to be playing with the sun in their face. And that's really hard. I mean, from personal experience, when you play outdoors and the sun's in your face, there's so many overhead shots in paddle and the opponents can really force you to be playing overhead shots the whole time if they want to. And it's really hard to be aggressive and really risky when you've got the sun in your face. Not like uh, it really affected Goya and Tapia. But I did see quite a few pairs struggling. And funnily enough, I saw a few matches where it was basically the pair that was playing on the good side, i.e. the side of the court that wasn't facing the sun. They would win two games in a row. Then the other pair would win the next two games. So it was quite interesting to see that dynamic. But yeah, I just wanted to kind of touch upon the fact that how different the outdoor courts were. They were very fast. You could see players smashing and being as aggressive as they could which is obviously very different to what we've seen recently where actually quite a few of the courts have been very slow i think it's good i think it's it's great to see a bit of variety and i yeah i really enjoyed it as as you can all imagine what, what were your thoughts Gon?
0: yeah for sure uh definitely a different dynamic as you know to what we've been used to in, in sort of the past like couple of months with all the indoor tournaments, I do think that the level of paddle wasn't as great uh, as, as what we've seen in, in, in previous tournaments, sort of as you've touched upon, mainly because, of, you know, your are outdoor, con- like conditions affect the ball in so many different ways. The sun affects us obviously as well. So the quality of the paddle is maybe not as good, but it's still like very interesting to see how players, you know, how different players play under these conditions. How do they react and, and stuff like that? I think also very interesting, like depending on what time of the day you play, the, the play itself was quite different, right? If you play very early in the morning or sort of mid-morning when it's probably the peak heat time, the ball was way faster, like leaving the court really, really, really fast. And then all the all the players that, for example, were playing later on in the night, once you know the weather was cooling down and stuff, the the paddle was like completely different. It was way more slow. Um, obviously still had like so, sort of you know wind and, and things like that that can affect like the ball but it's even within the same day it's still really interesting to see how how it affects the the, diff- the you know the players and and the game itself. Um, I think by the way on the master the one that you were missing was Valladolid, which if I'm not mistaken, is being played very soon maybe like two you're or very four, right or like three or four weeks or something like that.
1: Um, you're very right I completely yeah I made a mistake there and actually Valladolid also played outdoors because I remember watching it last time and it's home well the home of Arturo Coelho so I'm sure he'll be very excited to playing that to be playing there soon so yeah very right Gonz. you're very right
0: no worries no worries obviously always here to to help where I can uh, <laughs> and uh I wanted to ask you, what were, as we normally do, I guess, what were your, what was your highlight of the tournament and what was your low light?
1: Well, I think the highlight is clearly Tapia winning once again, and that means it's 42 wins in a row this season. And, well, I think they're getting closer and closer to the best record ever held by Pablo Lima and Vela. And to be honest, I really think they could break it. I'm really, I just don't see them losing. I really didn't expect to see this. I actually read an Instagram post on Sanya's account where he wrote a little brief summary of the final. And he said, at the beginning of the season, when they asked me, what did I think? of Dabian Coelho and their new partnership and he said they're going to be very dangerous for the first six tournaments and he literally said it's impossible to play against them, this isn't even fair so I think it just shows how far ahead they are and just that they're at a different level compared to any of the other pairs and yeah, I mean to be honest, they were clearly the highlight, I would love to know when they'll lose for the first time this season playing to whom. In World Paddle Tour, yeah, and to whom? I've got to be honest. I only really see Lebron and Galan challenging them, and Lebron's going to be out for the next few tournaments. And when he's back, well, he'll he'll have been inactive for, for quite a few. So actually, that's a, taking a slight detour. That's one question I wanted to ask you, Gons. If you had to bet on A the tournament and B the pair, that will break. And WS streak. who would you go for which would be the, you know what tournament which pair
0: yeah it's a great question i'm going to stick to just world paddle tour only um i'm aware that yep. premier paddle is starting now as well again so there, there will be a couple of premier paddle tournaments over the summer but i'll just stick to world paddle tour for, for the purpose of the question but i'm thinking i i I, I do agree with you. I don't see any other pair o- other than LeBron and Galan really challenging them. So I think it will have to be, and I don't expect them to be able to challenge them in sort of the first tournament that they're back. As you mentioned, LeBron would have been inactive for quite a while. So it might be Madrid Masters, but that's so far away. Can't, can't <laughs> I
1: know. Possible that it was be, actually it,
0: it can't be the end but, of yeah, September
1: I know, that, that was the, the tournament that I was looking at, I was looking at the calendar before, I was thinking the next few tournaments are outdoors, Lerona Galan won't be there, Koye so dominant and particularly outdoors and I was just thinking they might go as far as the Madrid Masters What's my before, personal bet
0: what, what is before Madrid, do you know?
1: well there's there's a few tournaments, you've got Valencia as well I think you've got the Finland Open. There's there's a number of tournaments, but yeah, I was I was going to say I actually think it's going to be a random pair. I, I actually think it may not be one of the top pairs, and they might just lose yeah. in the first or second round in a random tournament where they have an off day, because I actually think when they lose, it'll be down to them and not the other play the other pair playing unbelievably well. I just I just don't That's... see it.
0: Yeah to be fair that's I think that's actually a very good shout because it is true that whenever they play Lebron and Galan, they're so motivated against them there's obviously a bit of a let's just say Tapia and Lebron are not the best of friends so I do I do agree with you that for example if if they're playing Lebron and Galan, they're just going to be so motivated to beat them that potentially might not you know it just might not happen given how how well they're playing and uh, as you say you know, if if they're going to a tournament, you know, after all of all the wins that they've had, and they're just like not necessarily up for it and motivated, and that day, you know, they don't wake up feeling well, all, the, all of these things, right? Like just mentally, they might not be feeling like they want to be there. Then it could be like one of you know in the earlier round, someone could could definitely knock them out. So it's it's definitely not a bad shout.
1: Yeah, I mean that's my feeling. I might be completely wrong, but I just think they're playing to be honest, probably the best paddle I've ever seen. I think their peak at the moment could be higher than LeBron and Galan's peak and could be higher than LeBron and Paquito's peak when they were playing together probably about four years ago now. So, yes, I, I'm, I'd love to know. But to be fair, I think this does lead us um, into our next topic. But before touching on the topic of injuries which is clearly a bit big topic at the moment, and given that you'd asked me about the highlight and low light of the tournament, I have to say the biggest low light for me was once again Deion and Reith. I We both thought that with the arrival of outdoor court season and Reith actually playing at home, given that he's from Malaga, he got to the final last season, if I'm not mistaken, Yeah, playing with Momo, and I just thought this could be their tournament, not I didn't think they were going to win it because Kway and Tapia are just aliens, but I really did think they could go far and they lost in the last 16 round. To be fair, they did lose against a very dangerous pair that very nearly beat Momon Sanyo. They took them to three sets and obviously, as we know, Momon Sanyo made it to the final. Um... Falo, Rubio and Arroyo are very powerful players, both got very good smashes. Again, a lefty and a right-handed player, which is a big advantage, as we all know. But yeah, I've got to be honest, I, in a way, when I made my bets and said that I thought they were going to make the semifinals, it was more out of hope than what I thought was going to happen. I just really wanted to, them to start doing well and to basically add another pair to that top four race that we've been discussing so much. But yeah, once again, really didn't, really didn't perform to their standards. And I genuinely think that this has probably made them think we're not to, meant to be together. And they'll probably stick together until they think they can play with someone else who has doubts in their pair and is amongst the top 10 players. don't know what your thoughts are Gons.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the definitely the biggest disappointment was Alex, uh, well, Alex Ruth and, and Teo. Actually, I Alex Ruth had a, an interview quite recently, actually with uh, Analistas Padel. It's in their YouTube channel, um, in case any anyone wants to check it out. But it's very interesting because he did mention they spoke briefly about Teo and their partnership, and he did mention that it was the first time that Tejo is playing with a lefty. So there's obviously a bit of a, you know, adaptation there. Um, I think we discussed this in the last episode that obviously a lefty playing on the right side has pretty much the same abilities to get any ball that's sort of going down the middle than in any other situation, maybe a right-handed player on the left side would normally would get, especially if Teo was used to playing with Chingoto pretty much all his professional career. Like he, he was the one that was mainly probably getting 60, 70% of the balls. So Potentially there's maybe something there in terms of from a paddle perspective, like just not feeling comfortable yet and needing to adapt. We'll see how it goes. But I mean, I think, you know, in any case, like they definitely they should be basically quarter finalists as a minimum every single tournament. And for sure, you know, especially as you mentioned, given that now we're in sort of the outdoor season, it's summer, they should have been pushing pushing more. Cause another pair, which I thought, for example, was probably Obviously, taking away Coelho and Tapia and another win, but I, I, I was very impressed with Leo Burger and and Harry Rico, which they reached the quarterfinals and then lost to Coelho and Tapia, shock. But still, you know, they Leoas Burger clearly like onesies outdoor and and his ability to to sort of like attack and and you know play the smash has a massive impact in, in in their performance. And you know, a pair that hasn't been very successful up until essentially that point, they've been, they've managed to do it. So I definitely would have expected Alex Ruiz and, and Teo to to at least get to the quarterfinals. And then from there you you just never really know. Um so yeah, big disappointment from them. As you mentioned, let's see how the next couple of months go. But yeah, it just it's it just doesn't it doesn't seem like they're in a very good dynamic. And uh could could
1: potentially not end well. No, I think I think it's doomed. I've got to be honest. I just think once there there is a player that becomes available and he's one of the top players as well, I think whoever is on the opposite side of the court, if that makes sense, so if it's a you know a backhand player that comes available, I think Alex Reith might just turn around and say, Look, Tejo, it's time. It's time and it's time to split. Potentially Garrido. Who knows? I don't know whether that his partnership child. with Campagnolo is going to be, well, he's going to last that long. And Alex Ruiz and Garrido, I could see that. Yeah, but good um, moving on to to our next, probably our next topic. And, well, I think we've got to mention that, very sadly, Tapia is now injured. And we don't know how for, for how long, but it seems like it won't... It will last more than one tournament. It's so sad, isn't it? I just hate seeing these injuries.
0: Yeah, and we've seen Tapia as well covering his essentially his whole arm for the last couple of, of tournaments, so there was definitely something going on there and fair play to him for playing it out and sticking it out and still managing to win every game. So it's just, yeah, as you mentioned, it's such a shame. You know, probably... Personally, and I'm I'm pretty sure I can speak for you here, given how much you love Tapia, but even better than Coelho. So, like probably the number one player right now in the world. Such a shame not to see him, with all obviously all the respects to Coelho, uh, who's a close <laughs> second. But um, yeah, just such a shame to to not being able to to see him play. Hopefully he's not, you know, it's not a very serious injury and obviously he can come back as soon as possible because, you know, everyone wants to see him play. is just so, so mesmerising.
1: Agreed. And what I wanted to mention, looking at his injury, but also other injuries, is actually we don't really, and we haven't really spoken about the women's game so far, but there's been, well, Ariana Sánchez and Paula José María have been very dominant this season. They've been at the top of the ranking for the last, well, since basically the start of the season. Even though they didn't end last season as the number ones in the world, they actually played for the number one spot in the final of the Masters final and lost it to Gemma and Alice Alazar. And Alice Alazar has just announced that she's injured and she will be injured for a while. And Gemma has announced on social media that she will be playing with Marta Ortega. Now, this is a big surprise to me because Marta Ortega had only recently split her partnership with Baron Thalif and joined forces with Sofía Araujo, a young Portuguese, very talented player, definitely amongst the top four backhand players on the tour. And, well, I was just very surprised by that because having just started that partnership with so much potential and such a good player in Sofía Araujo, and they'd actually already won a tournament together, even though it was an Open 500 and I wanted to ask you the question, Gons, do you think that's the right step? Do you think that if you've just started a partnership, it's been going well, and potentially a player of a higher ranking becomes available and he or she gives you a call, would you take that leap? Would you ditch your current partner and just play? Because at the end of the day, Gemma Triae has said that this is only going to be until Alice Salafat is back from injury. Yeah. So would you ditch your partner for well you don't I, know how many tournaments? I think you just hit the key for me right there in that
0: last sentence. I think given the outlook is that Alice Salafat, as you mentioned, will will be out for, you know, uh, a limited time period. I'll buy it. obviously it might be, you know, some months and stuff like that, which could cover us a, a somewhat significant amount of the season, but still it's not a I want to, Gemma wasn't saying, I want to leave Ale and that's it. I want to change pair, right? So in that scenario, personally, I don't, I think Marta's decision, well, personally, I don't think it's, I don't know if to call it ethically or morally correct or not, but (laughs) personally, I wouldn't do it because then in just a couple, you know, in some months, you're just going to find yourself in, in another situation. And I especially, I especially don't understand given that Marta is obviously such a good player. And as you mentioned with Sofia Araujo, they're still one of the, you know, top seeded pairs in, in, in the women's side. they won tournaments. They're always there competing. So, you know, obviously, yes, on paper right now, her partnership with Gemma, well, they're, they're definitely going to be the the second seed. Um, and there will be competing and probably reaching finals um, you know on, on the woman's side but I still think Marta and Sophie had the potential to to win you know just them two. and given that this is for a limited time period I just not sure you know what then is the next step after I also think you know, just comparing it, I guess, similarly to to the men's and, and what happened with Lebron and, and Ale Galan, which, which I guess is a sort of similar situation. For example, there I understand John Santh because he's just like way lower ranked. So for him, it's an incredible opportunity to perhaps win a tournament that, you know, you might not even ever win in, in his whole career. So obviously pairing up with, you know, the number one or previously ranked number one player in the world gave him such a big opportunity. And I don't think, you know, now translating that to the women's side, I think that from Marta's per- perspective and Sophie, they, they had already this potential. Um, So, yeah, it just, if if Marta was someone that was like rising up in, in the women's game and, and wasn't like as high ranked as she is and, you know, the, the good player that, that she is, then I'd understand as well, you know, it's, it would be, it would have been an amazing opportunity for her to pair up with, you know, probably one of the best left-handed players backhand side players of, 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 of the women's game. But um, but yeah, I, I must admit that I was uh, also a bit shocked with with the whole situation. I don't know. What what do you think?
1: I completely agree. I think you've used the perfect explanation to kind of explain your point of view and my point of view. At the end of the day, looking at John Santh and Galant's current par- recent partnership, John Santh would never have the opportunity to play with a number two on the world or ex-number one in the world, at least at the moment. He's got a lot of potential, who knows, in the future. And it made total sense for him to team up with Galan. However, Marta Ortega being the fourth-ranked pair with Sofia Araujo. And the women's game at the moment is very open. I know Ariana Sánchez and Paula José have been very dominant this season, but we saw that's not the Bayer open but the Vienna Vienna open was won by Delfina Brea and Bea Gonzalez so and i actually think their partnership is at a very similar level to well what it what was now Sofia Araujos with Marta Ortega they were competing for that top well, for that third spot, probably a step below Gemma Adriae and Alice Salazar and also a step below Ariana Sanchez and Paula Jose Maria, but not that far below and not that far away from their level. So they could definitely challenge for tournaments. And I just feel that if she teams up with Gemma Adriae for a few tournaments, whether she wins them, I don't know because Ariana Sanchez and Paula Jose Maria are playing really well. Again, Delfina Brean and Bea their partnership has gone really well so far and they've already Won a tournament in the last few weeks. So who knows whether they'll win and what happens when Alice Alazar is back in a few weeks and she can no longer, well, who knows? Maybe Sofia Araujo will take her back. But at the end of the day, she probably won't be able to partner with a player as good as Sofia Araujo because Bea Gonzalez won't be splitting from Delphi Brea. They just recently played together as in Bea and Marta recently played together and the number ones in the world won't be splitting and it seems like Alessandra and Gemma won't either. So I just don't think it's the right move. Also, Marta Ortega has already been the number one in the world. It just doesn't really seem the kind of step that she should be taking at the moment. But at least that's my view. I'd love to know what other people think.
0: (laughs) This could be, you know, potentially there's some planting the seeds for the future that, you know, that could, I guess that's the one way to to look at it.
1: I, I agree. And at the end of the day, Alex Azad is significantly older than Gemma Triay. Marta Ortega is similar age to Gemma Triay, So who knows, maybe it's the start of something beautiful in the next, who knows, exactly. one, two, three years. It's a good shout. And I actually hadn't thought about that angle concept. Well, I think the next topic that we were thinking about and that I was actually quite shocked about was the decision of World Paddle Tour to ban Bella from playing the next tournament, which is the French Open, which isn't going to be played this week, as we've already mentioned. It'll be played next week. What did you think, Hans? I was shocked.
0: Yeah, quite... Quite a harsh, well, quite harsh punishment, uh, I must say. I think I was also quite surprised at uh, the severity of it. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the reason why he's been he's been left out of the tournament or essentially banned from playing is because he broke a microphone in the uh, sort of one of the changeovers between games. Um, but yeah, he's also been fined. Um, but it just, yeah, it seems quite excessive to be being banned for a whole tournament. I'm not sure in in tennis if there's ever been a ban, even if, you know, someone we, we've seen players in tennis, for example, take their rackets and, and smash like the benches, and which obviously then, you know, either breaks the bench or like sort of like damages and stuff. But they haven't then been banned from playing a, you know, the next tournament or anything like that. So, yeah, quite, quite a, quite a harsh, um, quite a harsh punishment especially as well taking into account Bella. he's probably been like one of the most well behaved you know players in in the history of the game he's obviously the GOAT you know everything that he represents so if you also look at like someone's like history and see how they are and you know judge upon not only their current actions but like just take their whole historical backlog of actions then yeah it just just seems quite severe
1: very surprising I agree and As you say, he's always been such a good sportsman and such well behaved if that makes sense when he hasn't won and he's praised the the opponents on so many occasions and been such a good loser that I just don't understand. I understand an economic kind of fine. I do completely understand that exactly, but banning him from a whole from a from a tournament i don't see why i don't it, it's not like breaking the microphone gave them an advantage at all because what we hear from the benches are is only heard by the fans and the viewers at home so it's not giving them an advantage so i've got to be honest yeah very very excessive and a big shame particularly for people and well, people that were going to be watching the tournament in France, who knows whether Bela will be playing next season, and it could potentially have been the last time that they would be watching him live. So, yeah, I'm I'm very sad to see that, and it's just a big shame. I think it's excessive.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's a that's a very good point as well. You know, taking into account his his last season, well, potentially be his his last season. Yeah, things like this. Are definitely important, especially from from a fan perspective. So I think the World Paddle Tour needs to think about this and take care of of you know their their product and you know make it as exciting as possible and stuff like that and things like this. Obviously, just just seems like you know very far fetched it's not like he didn't he didn't hurt anyone. He didn't uh, you know he, he didn't he wasn't insulting anyone. He wasn't abusing anyone. It was just purely Which, and uh, by the way, I'm I'm sure you've seen the images because it was was possible to see them when we were doing the changeovers. It didn't even seem that aggressive. It just seemed like he was literally taking the microphone and placing it from one end to another. I didn't even think like it would have been broken. But anyhow, it is what it is. That's
1: literally it. I completely agree. One quick question that I did want to ask you, and I did actually forget, to mention it before when we were talking about them last week's my Bayer Masters which do you think was the best match out of the whole tournament because we've obviously mentioned the highlight the low light yeah some good performance but some good performers some not as good performers but there were so many good matches and I watched so many of the matches what was your favorite
0: I'd have to say the semi-final between Momo Sanjo and Stupa and it was just absolutely amazing. Some of the points in there were outrageous. Sanjo, when he's on his day, is just amazing to watch how he can dictate the play from from the right hand right hand side and just moments of magic, really, that you only think like think players like Stupa or like Tapia or LeBron and stuff have. Like he's also got such a such a like Broad skill set of, of shots and yeah, it was it was such a good game to watch and uh yeah, I mean great victory for for Momo and I'm sure it'll, it'll do them wonders. What was your favourite match to watch?
1: i gonna be a bit mooring, but indeed exactly the same one. I did mm-hmm. very much enjoy Oswaldo Rico against Quayon tapia I thought it was a sensational match. Oswaldo Rico played really well. They lost 6-4, 6-4, which against Koyan W I I think, is quite a good yeah. result. And Ausbord Smash was as good as we've ever seen it. Rico being very tactical and just such a smart player, given that physically he's got nothing to do with all the mm-hmm. other animals that we're seeing succeeding at the moment. But I do have to agree, Momon Sanyo's semifinal against Dine Nostalpa was a great match to watch sensational and actually I wanted to emphasise how what, right you were because you actually said that Sanyo and Momo were going to be, well, we're going to perform really well uh, during the outcourt season um, and I just think, well, what we saw was that their smashes and their attacking game was probably much better than a lot of people think. I think Momo's smash is not his best shot. We we mm. all know he's almost like a forehand player playing on the backhand, just mm. very limited, unforced errors and just such a solid player. But his smash is actually not talked about enough, I think. It was unbelievable against Dino and Stolpa. And then Sanyo, as you said, just when it's when it's his day and he's motivated and he's positive and things are going his way, he's almost like the Federer of Paddle. Just yeah. elegance on on a court
0: completely and, yeah.
1: yeah i love that game
0: yeah it was it was an incredible game though i must say for point of the i almost say like just point of the history of paddle momos against <laughs> uh, arroyo and and Falo rubio oh my god how did he get that oh. smash like oh. just off the, off the glass and then oh my god windmill like oh. i
1: don't know that is actually what you would call it wouldn't it it would be the windmill yeah. I mean I the, don't know what the, he was thinking
0: the windmill glass cross court <laughs> <laughs> to the to the side of the of the fence like guys please you have to go watch it just type in in, in YouTube Momo crazy point in Marbella or something like that it will come up because it's absolutely insane
1: I just I actually think if you tried it 500 times you would get yeah. nowhere near it agreed happening and he did it during a match in a key point. Just outstanding. I think he is one of the trick shot masters. You've told me a lot of times, and I always say that, yeah, he's a level above everyone else. But Momo is really challenging for that trophy.
0: Yeah, he's he's definitely up there. He's definitely up there.
1: But um,
0: but yeah, I think this is it. I think this wraps up uh, today's episode. Uh, it's been great having you, Hugo. Always love uh, love our chats. I think this one was was really good. I hope you enjoyed it as well.
1: I did. I enjoyed it a lot. And just to emphasize, very sad that there isn't a tournament this week, but great for the players. I really hope they rest up. Who knows? Maybe Dabia magically rests his arm and he's ready for the French Open. I doubt it. I'd love to see him back already and wishing the fastest of recoveries to both Alice Fad and Juan LeBron. We particularly miss Juan LeBron on the court because he's just um uh, magic, <laughs> but yeah, have a great week guys and see you very soon.
0: Yeah. See you very soon. Thanks everyone for listening. The paddle pod race, by the way, will come in next week's episode. Given that as Hugo mentioned this week, there is no tournament, so we won't go over it in today's episode, but yeah, we'll definitely go over it uh, again. And yeah, thanks everyone for listening. and Have a very good week.
1: Cheers guys.